Welcome to the ninth edition of the What's Next Leadership Series of Webinars. Today, we will be discussing new leadership styles in a rapidly changing environment. My name is Sharad Adhambal. I'm the CEO of Cybergear and the founder of OnlyWebinars.com. Like always, we have a global panel from US, Europe, and Middle East. First up, let me introduce to you John Scott Turco, founder of Humanix, based in New York. He has been coaching CEOs on leadership issues for more than 15 years and is regarded as an authority in the leadership domain. Next on is Rajiv Daswani, always smiling and appropriately the founder of a happiness coaching center right here in Dubai. He's been on several panels for global world-class events and you can consult him on well-being and positive workplaces. Next on is Arnold Collery coming in from France, probably the busiest guy on the planet, in my opinion. He's the founder of Humaneva and is also the pioneer of the chief happiness officer and author of Mr. Happiness. We are also joined by two guest panelists, both from New York, Jen Cody, hi Jen, and Osnat Benari, hi Osnat. Let me introduce Jen to you. She's the founder of Follow Your Bliss. She has already enriched the lives of thousands of people through select one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, workshops, retreats, meditations, and I believe she also runs a very successful podcast. Osnath is the co-founder of Dragons Can Fly. I believe it's her new venture in the Web3 domain, and she also runs this creative agency. She has tons of experience in the corporate world, and I know she is soon launching her book, which is called Starting from Scratch, Manage Change Like Your Career Depends on It. I'm going to start with Osna. I was very curious to know why you named your agency Dragons Can Fly. <laughs> Um, so to say the, the truth, the idea came from my partner. Um, I know my partner for the last 10 years. Uh, we've been working together. Um, 10 years ago, we met through a, a project that we both worked for a dragon. Um, it was, uh, we worked for AOL. Both of us were on our freelance journey. Um, this was my first time working as a freelancer. She was already had her creative agency um, and uh, and the project we worked on um, won an Emmy and um, a design award. So we were like, okay, we can do really great things together. Uh, but the reason to call it Dragons Can Fly is because um, ever since we've worked with really the largest brands, um, AOL, Verizon, WeWork, um, uh, HuffPost uh, together, so because of that, um, we say that we can teach dragons to fly. So we say we know dragon, led them, grew them. Now we teach them to fly. 
That's great. And Jen, uh, can you explain how you selected Follow Your Bliss as your company name? Sure. So um, Follow Your Bliss is a women's wellness company. And basically, it was born of the idea that we spend a lot of time feeling responsible for everyone else around us. And um, it's not often until recently that women were really encouraged to seek out their own self-care and prioritize that. So I really felt that it was important to create a space where women can really choose to focus on following their own bliss, kind of identifying what that is and how can they bring it into their life every day without sacrificing everything else around them. Super. Uh, John Scott, since you are the expert on leadership, I'm coming to you. What are you hearing in NY in terms of the challenges that uh, leaders need to be facing? Thanks, Shard. Uh, I'll, I'll share that expertise with, with everyone on the panel today, I think, and many watching as well. So I think that the, the interesting aspects for now, and it's constantly changing as we all can see, it's, it's taken on a pace of change that uh, to say it's fast is a huge understatement. I believe what's happened in the past uh, couple of years has been obviously transformative to how people do business, but also transformative to ways of working and thinking for people who may have taken a very long time, if ever, to accept, encourage, and embrace these changes. So I had a, a meeting last week with one of my clients who was super resistant at the very beginning of COVID. And I've mentioned uh, several of these over the course of our webinars where they said to me, you know, leaned in, they said, I need everyone back in the office. And it was May of 2020. And I said, it's not happening. <laughs> like, Let's figure out a new way to address this. So I think what I'll say in summary for now is you, you can't require compliance and then call it engagement. And I think there's a lot of that that was going on years ago. And I think the marketplace, both in terms of consumer marketplace and the employee employer marketplace, call that to task and uh, that's not possible anymore. So I think leaders are looking for new ways of thinking, new ways of working, new ways of engaging their teams. And um, one of my clients a few weeks ago said, our culture is this, our culture is that, our culture is this. And I interrupted them and said, your culture was those things. Your culture is being defined now by what you do say and how you behave and interact. And I think that's where I'll, I'll kick it back to the group uh, and over to uh, Jen to give me her two cents on that. Thank you. Um, yeah, so actually one of the clients that I'm working with right now, one of the biggest challenges that she's facing is she feels that the culture where she works is not aligned with her values and her principles. And I don't think prior to um, the pandemic that it really was something that anybody explored because people were in their positions due to feeling guilt and responsibilities, and there was no option presented to them. So now that people have had this opportunity to really see what life is like on the other side, right? We were all forced into this space where we had time to focus on what was important to us and what are the values that we want to be aligned with when it comes to our careers and our workplace. So what I'm finding is that when people feel that that's out of whack and they're not feeling like it really jives with who they are as a person, then they're looking for other places to go. Part of this whole 
resignation, right? How I forget what the percentages of women in business and C-suite roles who are going to be leaving their jobs over the next year is just staggering that um, number. So I think that providing people the space to really feel confident that they can make a change and they can look for leadership that speaks to who, what they want to surround themselves with is a different dynamic than we've ever encountered before. Thanks, Jen. How about you, Asna? So I couldn't agree more. I think that a lot of what we used to see in organizations is that leaders, um, sometimes we're good at building culture and sometimes we're not, but even the ones who struggled to do that, they were covered uh, by the organization doing and other leaders doing other things that included their team. So, you know, the events we were doing, the happy hours, the all hands, and then some leaders that didn't invest in it were given the backwind of their peers that did take care of that. And now that we're more, you know, we're hybrid or re completely remote, um, then every leader needs to learn how to do this. And I think that those who neglected it back then and got the air coverage of their peers no longer have that um, or less identify that. So I think what they need to do is either start learning, meeting with people like you uh, to learn how to know how to build a culture and know how to take care of their employees and what conversations to have um, and how to, basically rebuild the workplace. Um, and if they don't know how to do that, then they need to ask for help or join other groups or join other teams, but something needs to change because they're completely exposed now um, and don't get that air coverage that comes from you know a brick and mortar kind of, okay, let's go to the office type of uh, yeah. culture that used to be built. Yeah. What are you seeing, Arnaud? And you've been so busy uh, in so many different geographies with so many different populations. What are you seeing in the marketplace now, my friend? First of all, it's not like I'm on stage, but I want to thank the whole panel. And it's true. I love the, the, our two new guests. Uh, love to, to meet new people. We always bring some new on board. I'm so fascinated. It's the ninth time we're doing it. Love it. You know, it all come down for we were the four of us in Dubai and we're having a coffee, coffee, and someone said, what's next? And, and, and John said, that could be the name of our regular, regular webinar. And here we are. So I love it. I love continuity. In, in a, and someone say, you know, I think Rockefeller said, once the, the, uh, you, 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 you'll see or you'll understand someone uh, successful based on the quality of relationship over a long period of time, right? which is ex exactly what we're building here. Four things I've noted for me, uh, what I've seen recently, right? So one is, and I was talking on stage yesterday in Paris in a big uh, marketing for good conference. For me, there is no more uh, midterm. Like it seems many companies before there was a, you know, a three years plan in most products, in most vision. And now it seems the, 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 there is a really long, long-term purposeful vision that it's being built in most people's soul and in organization and into management team. Like we, we really work for the very first time, I think on a long-term vision close to the real value you have, like the reason why such and such a company was, was built. And there's a priority over 
short term as well, right? There's a priority for just for cash flow. So people are, they have, it seems they have both heads, right? One for long term and one for revenue stream, short term revenue stream, just to keep the, the company afloat or the marketing afloat or whatever. So it's fascinating. Before we would always talk about, you know, basically a half ass vision, right? A half ass commitment on everything. And now it's a, it seems to me, those who are making the commitment, the time, are really on, let's build a real long-term vision based on what everyone think in the company. And in the meantime, what product sell? Let's keep selling and more and faster and more marketing. So first thing, second thing, I, it seems I'm starting to see more, you know, I'm, I'm also based in Europe where I think there's less inclusion than uh, I think than New York where I was based for 10 years. I think they start to really get the concept of diversity of inclusion, not just men, women, but colors and, and, and ages, uh, you know, they're starting to, to understand the world. And I'm talking, I'm, I'm I'm trying to take a, a step backward of the whole world, right? Uh, it seems they really understand of what inclusion is and how inclusion brings creativity, more idea. You need people from not just different sex or different uh, countries, but different age, uh, different social background to make a team work. And then the, the third is talent management. Is, is totally changing uh, from going after the youth, after the really young people and they understand their priority is wellness. That's it, it's wellness over work. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. I was asked to, to coach for a special business case study for just a few hours, some of the best business students of France uh, lately for, very marketing business case with with coca-cola and it's just it's unbelievable i mean it's just uh, they, they can have the, the best head the best ambition but work comes after anything on their personal agenda anything i mean there was this student he was in vietnam and he's like can you move the the meeting at uh, you know and because it was 10 p.m in vietnam i'm like no we're not moving the meeting for you in your work life, you will have to work at midnight sometimes. And I mean, quality of life, that's my business. Sometime you will have to work at midnight, I'm sorry. And it's just like a smileys and a bunch of emotion. I was like, what? So, I mean, this is what I've seen, and I've not just seen with this group, with many young group I've been working with uh, lately on different things. So uh, no more midterms, real inclusion, and talent management based on, on what the youth, the, the very young, the, you know, 20, 23 years old want, want to live their life. And we have to work around them because they will be the next manager in five, six years. So. Sure, sure. How about you, Rajiv? What are your thoughts? You know, we've thrown out so many amazing nuggets here. I mean, if you, if you listen to some of the keywords people have thrown our way today, I mean, Oslan mentioned rebuilding. You know, I mean, it's such a perfect word, right? Looking at what we talked about today with leadership and the styles of leadership. I mean, there was no, you know, if, if you go back um, 10, 12 years, people define leadership in fewer words, but today the color around the leaders and what leadership needs, um, it, it's being redefined as we speak. 
And, and rebuilding today means different things to different organizations and different industries. You know, I don't think there's a blue book out there that tells you exactly what's the best leadership style. But what I do see is that there are some things that we need to start paying more attention to. You know, uh, Sharad, you use the word nimble. I'm gonna also invite you to speak soon because you use the word nimble when you described this in the post earlier. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw the poll I threw out there. I said, hey, what does nimble mean to you guys, right? Because the word nimble, even though a simple word is as, as, as short as nimble, means so much to different people. Does it mean to be more agile, more adaptable, more flexible, emotionally intelligent? What is today's leader gonna look like? You know, with some great points that uh, are now you brought up here. And I thought now to every one of us on the panel and you out there listening, you know, we're talking about leadership styles and a changing environment, being nimble. Sharad, since you posted it, tell us, what does it mean to you? And how does it apply to the discussion today? I mean, uh, there have been so many learnings, uh, you know, since COVID hit all of us. There was not a single CEO who was prepared for that. And we've all, uh, you know, learned so much. And uh, some of my takeaways are, uh, you know, a lot of my business, at least now, is global. So I'm talking to San Francisco and then New York and then London and then Australia working across time zones. And I'm really struggling with that work-life balance that we keep talking about, not getting enough sleep, uh, disturbing my family because I work from home and I make these calls all the time, you know, in different time zones. So um, if anybody on the panel has some good advice for CEOs or leaders to, uh, you know, be efficient and yet get that pause that we need from business, I think that's one of the critical uh, things that leaders need to come to, uh, to you know, uh, grip with. And maybe Osnath has some ideas on work-life balance and maybe Jen also, because she does all these lovely retreats. I think uh, maybe I need to attend a retreat to detox and uh, you know, start from scratch again. So Osnath to you and then to Jen. Um, so I think that uh, really we need to be intentional um, because there's so much going on in our lives and everybody's exhausted. Um, as part of writing the book, I met so many leaders that made change and a lot of people who just want to jump now and say, okay, I need to start from scratch. How do I do that? And I think that the intention comes because, um, you know, I think that we all need to perform at work. We need to perform in our lives. And then how do we make that how do we make it better? Um, and how do we try to do that work-life balance? I think leaders need to be attentive to employees that don't know how to do it or younger talent, Arno was mentioning younger talent that doesn't know how to do it and what is okay. Like, I appreciate the fact that this, um, this individual tried to tell you, you know, can we not do this after 10 p.m.? But I think leaders need to notice you know, if your team worked too hard this week or you work towards a project, you know, stop, celebrate, give them, you know, no emails today, no meetings today. You know, you don't need to do these big events or big, you know, big spending. Just be mindful and intentional to what you do as a leader, but also as an individual, you know, take a retreat, um, take, a, take a day off. You know, I, you know, I have two children. Um, I don't have a lot of time because I 
have my agency, I have the book, I have work, I have so much, and I, I have my kids and family. Uh, but, you know, I take a break for an hour and, you know, walk my dog or I, you know, go in and, and do manicure. I don't know, whatever, whatever gives you that boost of energy, just be intentional, make sure you see what helps you, what is good for you. Um, and also as a leader, be sure to check um, that you know how to do it. And it's okay to start small. It's okay to ask. Uh, it's okay to test and see what works and what doesn't. Um, but I'm really curious to hear about Jen's retreat. Yes, Jen, please walk us through some of the retreats that you typically host. So yes, I absolutely would love to. I do want to touch for a second on what um, Rajiv said before about a leader being nimble and rebuilding. And actually what everyone has been speaking about, I think one of the big changes that we're seeing is it used to be where a company had a culture and the leader did things the way that they wanted to do things. And in order to work there, you kind of fit yourself into that mold. And now to be nimble, leaders really, it's all being kind of turned on its head, right? Where you need to see how different people in your organization need to be led differently. And you can't necessarily have one leadership style for everyone in your company. Everybody is going to respond differently to what you have to offer and to how you lead them. And to touch on what you were saying, Asnat, is if somebody needs that time for themselves, if they need, like you're saying, somebody needs to take a retreat, if somebody needs to introduce more self-care, it's amazing if a, as a leader, you can recognize that in your team and help provide that for them. You know, when leaders come to me and ask me to do team building exercises for their um, companies or to have a retreat for a company, you know, that's something that is really recognized by the people working for that organization as a huge positive when they think of their leadership. So that's something that really is um, coming into play more and more, I think, now that we're in this new culture and this new way of working. So the retreats that I do um, have been largely around mindfulness and intention. And as I said before, it is a women's wellness company. So as of now, it's only been for women, but you're all welcome to come and we can do one together. A what's next retreat would be great. Um, so we focus a lot on mindfulness and intention setting and goal setting and putting those things into action, right? Creating action plans around it. And actually for the first time this year, I do have a retreat called Spring Into Action, which is going to be very much focused on um, a specific goal that someone may have maybe as a leader or as someone who is starting a new company or trying to change the way they do things and really having them sit for an entire weekend and just a very immersive experience in figuring out what they need to do next to bring all of their goals and intentions to fruition. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be great. Great. John Scott, have you already attended a retreat or not yet? Um, as Jen said, there, I've I've helped out here and there, and um, it's it's fascinating to see. You know, Jen's retreats um, before the last one was completed was sold out for the next sessions, and she's added several more for 2022. So there's. There's a lot going on uh, in and up in the Catskills and um, in Sag Harbor for the spring uh, retreat and uh, you know more to come. So yeah, it's it's been really incredibly well received and growing over the years. Um, so 
it's interesting, you know, that we're touching on so many different aspects of this. And I want to, I want to steer it over to Oz about um, her book, which I put in the comments, by the way, it's, it's uh, coming out soon. So I want to give you a chance to talk about starting from scratch, the book.com. And, uh, and, and we're talking about renewal. We're talking about starting over and, uh, and you have a book coming out a little bit. So I just want to give you a little bit of time to, to talk about the fruit, you know, the germination of that, and then how you're bringing it forward into reality. Um, yeah, so starting from scratch, um, I actually, um, when I started writing it, um, I didn't even um, notice that so many of us do this so many times. Um, and um, I started by writing my experience and how I need to start from scratch. But the more and more I dug in into my experience and reverse engineer the tools that I had um, or um, learned to master, um, it, they were all the same tools. And the more I interviewed people and the book covers interviews with more than 20 people um, that started from scratch once or more in their life, everybody had the same six steps that I mentioned in the book. And I think that, um, and obviously uh, resilience uh, is a big part of it. And uh, some people are more resilient and some people need um, help from people like you guys. Um, but I think that a lot of a lot of it starts. Um, I actually posted um, something on on LinkedIn, and and Jen was mentioning um, the the great resignation or great realization. Um, there's a quote um, that says, "Change the changeable, accept the unchangeable, and remove yourself from unacceptable." And oh, wow. I like this quote because uh, the great resignation um, comes from people who want to start from scratch. Um, but is it the right time to start from scratch? And I talk about this in the book, like to just do a little bit of homework. Um, there are things that we don't agree with and, um, and are changeable in an organization. And there are things that we don't like um, and well, it will repeat itself in other places. And that some things are just stronger than what we are, but definitely remove yourself if it's unacceptable. But um, the rest of the things like you need to know when to start from scratch and uh, starting from scratch isn't like I come, I start one day and that's it, I do it. Um, I actually need to, to plan ahead. And the six steps in the book talk about uh, a learning mindset. And if you don't have one, you need to start doing that. And the learning mindset start from, you know, read books, meet people, go and join uh, communities and, and, and look for interests group that are interesting to you or to your next role. Like there are things you can do to prepare yourself um, from starting from scratch. And don't start from scratch if you haven't started that learning. You can do that learning and um, spice your life and your, and your day um, with learning new things. The next thing you need to do in order to start from scratch properly is to work on your resilience. And that can mean so many things, um, you know, getting a coach, meeting friends, um, making a list of all the things that you're grateful and thankful that are not necessarily related to what you are trying to separate, separate yourself from. And the third thing is building a personal board of directors. And uh, I cannot say enough about that, um, that my personal board of directors saved me from doing many, many uh, restarts uh, that were wrong for me um, or actually pushed me to start correctly 
Um, and I think that that is really important. And a personal board of directors are people that um, can give you good advice. And um, those can be coaches that you hire, but it can also be friends, can also be family, can also be ex-colleagues, peers, bosses, current bosses, previous bosses. Just make sure that you have that. And you also need to have one of each. Not everybody needs to admire you and think that you're the best. It's okay to get you know, that tough love conversation from time to time. Um, but really um, to get yourself one and cultivate that work. And I always say, when you start from scratch, when you jump from a company, when you have this great realization, who do you add from the current workplace to the next time um, as uh, someone on your personal board of directors. And there's obviously more tips in the book, but I think I wanted to mention those three, learning mindset, resilience, and personal board of directors. And if I, if I, if I may say something, John, um, thank you, I love it. And I'm gonna put my email in your, in your, in your website. Uh, it's great actually, she can answer you right away almost, right? There's a, there's a little thing like in the desktop, but just I never seen on the on the mobile as well. So thank you for doing this. And if I, I may add, because uh, I've reinvented myself a few times, and also I think love it. And also when you start your community building, which is I think the key element to change life, know that you will have I think because I've seen it 15 times of change life you will have new angels and maybe dead angel, which in my, I'm, I'm releasing a book in five days around the same topic and, and I have a, a chap, but it's in French. So it's not interesting for anyone on the panel here by, by her book, don't, don't worry about mine. Uh, uh, but what I say is what I've seen over and over and over, whoever builds helps you. So you have your board of director like you, you have those, five, six, eight, 10 core people that will be there no matter where you are in the world, no matter where you're building. And then they're gonna be new angel in, in whatever new path or countries or cities that, that, that are with you and will not be on, on your next chapter. And it's okay and accept. Those that were in my chapter in New York and when I was a coach and keynote speaker, Unfortunately, many of them are not here when I'm building this platform we're building now. And we have new angel, we are in Bordeaux, France, and part of the French tech community. I don't know if many of them will be there on my next chapter of life in three years, but I know that now in advance and I'm fine. It's just the way the life works. So we've got those new angel, but be convinced that you will find new angel. I'm saying that because I have to coach in 15 days, 25 guys, 45 years old, they all fired sales team. And they've been told you're selling like in the 80s by the organization. We're bringing young people. Imagine, they're 45. They don't know where to go. Apparently, they are super depressed, right? And my speech will be, be convinced. You're going to find a new way. You're going to reinvent yourself. You don't know yet, but there's gonna be something extraordinary and angel, not to be spiritually, but many amazing people that will come up and that you don't know of yet. I would just add that. I mean, I agree. Uh, if I may just comment for a, yeah, go ahead, Osa. 
I said, I love that you like that you called it angels, uh, because when I speak to people about starting from scratch and about building their personal board of directors, they always say, uh, many of them say, uh, I'm on someone's board, uh, personal board of directors, but I don't have one, and how do I begin? And when you said angels, I always say, just close your eyes and imagine, if you're doing something great, who is the person that if you walk down an aisle, they'll be there clapping for you. Oh, wow. Who, Who are those? And they're on your personal board of directors. You know it, you call it this way, you don't, but these are those people. Um, I love the term angels. Um, and, and basically that's where you start. You don't have to, you know, uh, hire, <laughs> hire them. Although it, it is recommended that you get a coach. It is recommended that you invest that in yourself and you love yourself in that way. Um, but it's also those people that when you close your eyes, they, you know, they're probably there clapping for you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, love also, that. I just want to add, you know, I also have some experience in mentoring startups uh, right here in Dubai. And many of them are very scared to fail. And I'm all the time telling them it's okay to fail because that's when you learn the most. And I probably have shared this uh, real story in one of the earlier episodes uh, which has stuck uh, to me all these years. I happened to be attending the government summit in Dubai, which is an annual feature. Mm. And there was a speaker from Google, I remember. And I happened to ask him what makes Google so unique, uh, you know, as a company on the planet. And he thought for a while and said, at Google, we celebrate failure. We celebrate failure. Why? Because there are so many learnings from failure and they actually have a gong, you know, a bell that people ring if they come into the office after some failed account, share their experience with all others so people are better prepared next time around. So I think uh, as leaders, it's also important to tell our team members that they don't have to be scared to always get it right and they need to, you know, take bold action and, uh, you know, instill the confidence in them that it's okay to fail. So that's a little bit of my experience in mentoring startups. Rajiv, I'm sure uh, you have similar experiences to share. Oh, I do. Absolutely. And you know, it's amazing as I listen to this discussion, one of the things that pops up to me, Oz, when you said, you know, a board of directors that, that, that you can, can hold you accountable, can, can be your angels. I love the word that are now used. You know, it's amazing how as leaders, we forget that we have a lot of angels around us at work too. A lot of angels who are in our companies that we fail to listen to, you know, um, creating that culture. And I know John Scott and I do this. We talk to people all the time about how can we build a culture that listens, you know, um, being vulnerable enough is tough enough for many leaders, right? Because they feel and it depends on the culture you're from. Sometimes the vulnerability can be very frightening for people, but at the same time, when you create that space, you know, you have a lot of angels around you that are willing to tell you if you just listen. And of course, having a culture that allows you to take information without conflict, creating a conflict environment without fighting it out, but getting information, because sometimes you stretch your limits like a rubber band, right? When you hear things that maybe you don't agree with, but you can learn from. So it's amazing. You, can, you have people around you that you trust. And a lot of times we waste that opportunity. What do you guys think? John Scott, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just want to acknowledge um, you know, the comments and thread too, like Joyce and uh, and Laura. Hi, Laura. Um, you know, I think what we're talking about here is is 
really embracing the fact that leaders today have the opportunity, and I just said this recently in a talk, to embrace their I don't know. I've said this many times on our, our podcast before, on our podcast webinar, what we're doing. Um, embracing the I don't know. And I think that's such an inclusive way to say, you know, this is an unprecedented time. Even now, like with the, the pace of change that we, we adapted to and, and tried to harness in the past few years uh, was so rapid and not surprisingly, the pace as things come out of this and it's you know, coincidentally springtime. And I feel like there's this kind of seed change happening around the world in terms of the pace and the velocity of changes and innovation and uh, embracing failure as a, as a tool to learning and growth. We have this opportunity now as leaders to say, you know, well, I don't know, we've tried this, let's try this, let's hear what you have to say and, and really kind of listening. I think we've said everyone has touched on the aspect of listening and it's always been important. And Jen touched on something earlier where previous to the pandemic and in many organizations that we, I'm sure we've all worked with, the leader sets the tone and if you want to work there, this is this is how we do things. And if you're going to work here, you're going to do things this way. Uh, those organizations are, will not survive with that mindset. And, and I've seen consequences of this with my clients just in the past few months where conversations uh, of coming back to work, return to office, we've done our webinars about this recently as well, the, the plan for return to office. And the, um, you know, I'll end on this point. We did a webinar on uh, RTE on the return of engagement instead of the our, you know, ROI, the our return on engagement. So I think that leaders today are understanding, based on everything everyone has said in this and all of our previous webinars, that you have to listen and you have to try things that you don't know are going to succeed. If you're hesitant to start from scratch, if you're hesitant to start over, um, you're writing, you're accelerating your own failures. Um, organizationally, personally, um, you know, market-wise, it's it's really critical, and I say it with intention because this isn't uh, you know, these are all real-world consequences we're in the midst of all the time, every day. And if we don't embrace that, um, you know, some of us, I said this to some people, like, how do you, people have asked me, how do you adapt to this, and you don't seem to get stressed out? And I said, I think it's a you know, it's a muscle like everything else, resilience. And getting comfortable with the fact that, okay, that didn't work. What's next? What did I learn? How can I pivot? And what's next? And I think that is an essential skill. It always has been, but the consequences of not having that skill now and going forward are far more dramatic. We're seeing it, right? So I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Um, I was like, what are you seeing with your clients? I know you recently, you said you started your Web 3.0 company, and I'm sure that this is all very top of mind for you and your organization. Yeah, I see that resilience to uh, that um, uh, kind of objection to change. Um, like people are wanting, but then they're um, they're afraid. And um, specifically when they come to me, that means that they at least can acknowledge that they need that they need help. Um, back to you know back to what you were saying um, about you know if you don't if, you know if you don't know. Um, I think as a leader, it's okay more than okay yeah. to say does anybody else on the team knows better than me and it will be magical what it does to you what it does to the team what it does to the engagement around you that um that 
you also call in other people. It's so much to hold all of this on your own and, um, and other people. And I think that they will appreciate you. They will stay with you. They will support you. Um, and a leader does not need to be the strongest in the room, does not need to know all the answer. A leader needs to collect the best, the best people around them uh, to kind of, you know, close the gaps on what they, uh, what they have. And I think that a strong leader also is aware of what they don't know. And that's why they hire really great people. So I think that, um, you know, not knowing is, 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 is more than okay. But what do you do with not knowing is, is also important. And then, you know, just call in your team. You'll be surprised, um, you know, one of them will know or one of them will want to say that they know. And maybe you guys figure it together if both of you don't know. But something magical happens in the team when everybody are thought partners versus that hierarchy that you were saying, you know, yeah. doesn't work in organizations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. Thank you. What about what's your thoughts, Jen, on this? Well, I think that a lot of times leaders don't even realize the change that they'll see in themselves if they do open up that conversation, right? If they do open up to their team and let them know, I need your help with this. I need to know what your thoughts are and we can collaborate instead of having this hierarchy um, of who is in charge and who knows best. And the trickle down effect of how much weight that takes off the leader in general, as well as what it does to the team, having them be included, it changes the, dyna the dynamic of the entire conversation in such a positive way. And there are so many times that leaders are so like they're clenching on to that, I have to be the one that knows everything. And it just affects the team so negatively. So if they can just open their minds a little bit to being a little more inclusive. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we come from this tradition of people being in charge. And, you know, I don't remember who said something before. I think it was you, Arno, about having different ages, right? Like it's so important to have all of the different um, personalities and take into account what all of them are thinking. Ironically, at the last retreat that I had, it was the first one that we had people aged 18 to 65. And at the end of the weekend, every single person commented on how they did not anticipate how much they would learn from each other with all those different generations and everyone opening up to each other. So I think if leaders would just be a little more open to loosening the reins a little bit, involving the team in the conversation, the impact is really great. Absolutely. That's, it's a great hey, observation. Uh, can I, John Scott, just comment for a minute? I want to recognize a member of the audience. Her name is Lala Herstel. Um, so I met her on LinkedIn a few months back. She's only 20, and she's running a community of 10,000 women already. So I'm going to hand it over to Lala to introduce herself to the audience and share her story with us. Lela, over to you. Hi, thank you so much, Sharad, uh, for the introduction. And hi, everyone. It's been such a fascinating uh, talk. I love listening to you and your experiences. Uh, so yeah, I'm currently studying economics and business at University College London and finished my uh, diploma in fintech from Harvard University. And uh, I co-founded a blockchain, a fintech platform called Onenco, which digitizes alternative investments using the blockchain technology. 
And um, I founded it with my co-founder, Gabriela. So we're both a full female uh, founding team. And so throughout my journey with On & Co, I actually discovered that there is a funding gap crisis for women. And I think it's not only a moral crisis, but I think it's also an economic one as well, and a missed opportunity worth uh, trillions of dollars. Crunch-based data actually shows that less than 10% um, of all funds that are deployed to technology startups uh, go to teams which include women uh, as founders. So that's how I decided to create the All-Stars Women NFT Club and DAO initiative to help close the funding gap for women by shaping a more diverse and inclusive entrepreneurial ecosystem system. So All Stars Women is an NFT membership-based club, uh, a collaborative community of female founders and entrepreneurs from various backgrounds and from all around the globe, uh, and in which they have a safe space to get together and access the necessary capital, resources, and tools that they need to make their companies or startups a success. Uh, so actually what's special about us and our um, collection is that the minting proceeds from the collection uh, sale will be invested in the companies of the female-led startups, uh, which are the females, which are part of our community, and the profits will then be redistributed to the community members. So essentially all holders of our NFTs will act as investors uh, indirectly. And um, we will be redistributing the profits via our own token, which is called the old token. Uh, as well, members will have access to, uh, we've put in place a crypto academy, a startup factory, and a recruitment agency, which helps females uh, to find more opportunities in Web3. And we're providing all of this for free to our community members to really help um, female be, females be more involved and give them access, access to education for free. Uh, yeah, so in collaboration with Sharad and only webinars, you can join us at our next workshop, uh, all about DeFi, which will take place in the Nowhere Metaverse at the end of April, uh, hosted by Sharon Noller. Um, and also we're gonna be hosting another webinar. Uh, the topic is leadership in tech, um, which is gonna be taking place on the 18th of May. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time and I hope to see you all there soon. <laughs> thank you. Leila, can I ask you in the chat to to write out the name of your website and, and the other relevance so that we have it for record and uh, yeah. share it, please? Of course, Thanks. he knows. I'll, I'll put in all the details there and I uh, hope yeah. to connect with a lot of you. <laughs> Thank you. Also, your LinkedIn profile, Leila. I'm sure all sure. of our panelists want to connect with you. And I don't know about you, John Scott, but at 20, I was still deciding whether I should study physics or chemistry. <laughs> right? I'll, uh, I'll defer to you on that one and I keep my mouth quiet at 20. So, um, thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you, Lela, for joining us. Thanks, All the best. Thanks, in your venture. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Bye -bye. Lela. And thank also, uh, you know, uh, we are hosting a webinar uh, for Lela in the metaverse. So, it's not going to be a Zoom webinar. Uh, it's going to be hosted in the metaverse with avatars. And it's going to be an amazing experience. So I do invite our audience and even all our learned panelists to experience uh, the virtual reality. Uh, because for me, as you might have noticed on LinkedIn, I'm all about the metaverse. I'm sold on it. So much so that I believe that virtual is real. I believe that virtual is real and the future is now. Great. I'm going to uh, allow all of you to uh, just sum up today's conversation 
and leave our audience with one or two nuggets. So, you know, the takeaways for them. I'm gonna start with John Scott. Uh, final comments go around the room and then we will close. Um, I Thanks, Rod. I think that I'll just leave it at this. I think being open to ideas and open to uh, an inclusive leadership um, environment will create the cultures that win going forward. End of story. Um, that's my two cents right. on it. Uh, who wants to go next, Jen? Sure, thank you. Um, I agree, obviously, that being open is the number one priority right now. I think that um, being inclusive and really seeing the opportunity that leaders have right now in changing how things are done is paramount to change taking place in the culture. So um, shifting that mindset and seeing this as an opportunity rather than an obstacle is really, I think, the biggest takeaway for this topic. Great, Austin. Um, so first of all, thank you for inviting me to your amazing community. Um, and um, Leila, congratulations for all that you do. I meet many, many women that start to kind of voice themselves in um, Web3 and in the metaverse, and I'm very, very excited. And, um, and while I appreciate a lot of other organizations that do um, education and bring more uh, diversity into uh, Web3, what I loved that you mentioned is the recruiting agency, because I think that other than education and awareness, we need women to be in jobs. Um, and specifically for, for this panel, um, I think that um, I'm going to um, adopt Arno's um, angels uh, because I like it. I think, you know, starting from scratch um, is, uh, is a capability and a skill that everybody owns if they want it or not. Um, in my book, I call it a spark because it can be internal, it can be external, but just be mindful to what it is, um, it's not a bad day. Um, but also, you know, there's um, a quote that I like, which is, uh, you know, day one or one day, uh, but you decide what is it. Um, but one day you'll need to start from scratch um, and, um, and just make sure that you don't do it alone. Uh, and you come with the tool set, um, you know, that many of uh, the people on this panel mentioned, which is resilience and taking care of yourself which is the angels and the people that come with you. And uh, a lot of things that you just need to dig in into yourself and seeing that you are, you are, are equipped um, to start from scratch. Thank you so much uh, for this advice. Thank you a lot uh, for your compliments as well. <laughs> thank you. I'm not over to you. Uh, thank you to uh, my three male mousquetaires and thank you to the Three female uh, musketeers. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Oz. Thank you, Leila. Also fascinating, of course. I'll try to join you guys. And I've been trying to, you know, read from very far about NFTs and and, and so forth uh, for the last few months. But and I really want to dig into it. So I'll try to get into your your webinar because something we're looking for. Do we need an NFT for our platform as well? We it's fascinating. Well, and and uh, last word is. Uh, you know, maybe think of what what soul what your soul needs to be free in your leadership style. Great. 
Rajiv, last word to you. You know, the, the amazing thing about these, these webinars is we always say and, <laughs> right? So everything we've all said and coming in last, I would say, you know, be brave, be loving, you know, forgive yourself for not knowing it all. It's okay. That's the most beautiful thing. We all can start from scratch, right, Oz? And, and um, as long as we, we have the intention and the desire to live through purpose with, you know, creating impact. Ultimately, guys, you know, it all comes down to that, is what impact are we creating? So as leaders, you know, um, I, I take one thing powerful away, Jen, that you threw out, and I wrote that down as well. I've been taking a lot of notes. Um, but I love the fact that we don't have to get stuck to one leadership style. You know, with the world changing, guys, you know, be open to many leadership styles. Find the ones that work for you and your organization. That's my take. Thanks, Rajiv. And uh, if I may close, uh, you know, this morning when I woke up and got onto my mobile and got onto LinkedIn, uh, this quote from Deepak Chopra was staring at my face. And I thought I will find time to narrate this to all panelists and our audience. And it goes something like this. To make the right choices in life, you have to get in touch with your soul. To do this, you need to experience solitude because in the silence, you hear the truth and know the solutions. I think this is very appropriate for our times, for leaders and others. So I would like to thank each one of our panelists for investing your 60 minutes with us and also to our wonderful audience. Uh, stay tuned for more webinars. All you need to do is go to onlywebinars.com and you will find at least five, six webinars in the coming weeks. Just register and we will see you on the other side. So thank you all and bye for now.